when I lie in bed at night or when I imagine how I'm going to look back at my life when I'm older, I would hate to think that I'd been doing something trivial and that I'd been spending my time on things that were meaningless. So I think as human beings who are finite and we only have a certain amount of time on this earth to become a, a butterfly and then leave, right? Like if we don't spend that time in something that is meaningful to us in some kind of framework, it's gonna be, I feel like I'm gonna get to the end of my life and be disappointed with the way things went. Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. Stop financializing everything. What is true wealth? What's the right metric for success? Much of how we live presupposes that our incomes or spending is a good measuring stick. But can you really quantify success with a bank balance? Or should we include softer things like learning and love, generosity and gratitude, and happiness and well-being? Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast, where we seek advice to help us lead wealthier lives and extend success to a wider community. And now, your hosts, Jonathan Dio and Terry Schauer. Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. Today, I want to introduce our audience to my co-host, Terry Schauer. She's a real estate investor and property manager in Montreal and real estate coach all across North America. She's the author of The Mindful Landlord. She's a successful business person and a world-class athlete. She's interested in wealth creation, but more importantly, she's very interested in the process of becoming a better person. We're talking today because she had this idea for a cross-border discussion of wealth, culture, and human development. Please enjoy the introduction to Terry Schauer. I'm super excited to uh, talk to Terry today. Uh, we're going to start this podcast, and um, I think you deserve actually a lot of credit for putting this together, uh, reaching out uh, and saying, hey, how about we do this? And so uh, I want to say thank you up front. And as we set up our first couple episodes, we're going to do an inter- a cross-interview style, introduce ourselves, uh, and, then, and then we'll be able to launch into the, the point of the podcast itself. Before we get into some questions, though, I actually want you to just tell us about you. Uh, introduce us to your professional life, your personal life uh, in kind of a round, quick way. Okay, I'll try to be as efficient as possible with that. Um, so my name is Terry Schauer, and I started uh, really, you know, investing and dealing with wealth through real estate. So I'm a real estate person. I've been doing property management for about 20 years. And I started a long time ago as a student, like managing student rentals. And then things kind of grew out from there. And I've now built a decent property management business in Montreal. And I also invest for myself. So that's kind of like maybe more the business side of things. I then wrote a book called Mindful Landlord, um, which, you know, kind of dovetails nicely with your book, Mindful Money. And that was more came out of sort of like zooming out from specifically the investment side of things and looking maybe at a more holistic way at, you know, wealth creation in the real estate market. And I guess what frames that is I did a PhD in communications with the intention of becoming an academic and then ended up transferring into real estate. But basically like those interests were there in terms of, you know, socially, what does it mean with what we're doing? How do institutions work? What are the, what's the backdrop really to what we're doing in terms of, of creating wealth? 
Um, and then maybe the third sort of component of my background that comes up a lot is, um, so I've done martial arts for a long time. I, I practiced Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I've done that uh, kind of at the, at the world level. So obviously like everything that's happened in my martial arts life frames a little bit of the things that happen in real estate, a little bit of the things that happen in my thinking, because that's one of the, you know, main ways in which I've developed myself, let's say. So in a nutshell, yeah, I hope that was efficient. <laughs> well done. Well done. I didn't know some of that. So that's great. So uh, what, what actually motivates you to start this podcast? What was it that sort of was the kernel that said, hey, let's do this? Yeah, so I think um, the idea sort of came when I interviewed you actually back in the, in the middle of the COVID crisis. And I thought, you know, this is so cool. Jonathan has a book called Mindful Money. I wrote the book Mindful Landlord. And I had a feeling that we were going to have you know, lots of stuff to talk to each other about. And I think where our common interest lies with, with, with wanting to develop the ideas is that in the real estate industry, people tend to be very narrowly focused on doing more deals, making more money, um, maybe to the exclusion of a holistic understanding of what's going on. And also very often, like in the local market that I work in, in Montreal, people tend to be very focused on the specific area in which we work maybe to the exclusion of what's going on internationally, to the exclusion of historically the different trends that have been going on. And so I feel like there's, when you get into investment, you know, I, like I said, I come from, from a real estate background, but like when you get into investment, people have like real myopia in their field. And that goes as far as how you approach your life outside of investing. And it goes also in terms of what's the broader context in which your market functions. So I think, you know, starting something called mindful wealth and like being able to do it with somebody who also works in investment in a different field, but with the same approach. Um, I think developing ideas around that was, was really exciting to me. Um, and then the other two maybe broader social currents that, you know, motivate me why a podcast, why not a blog, why not publishing stuff on Twitter is I think there are two, what I find disturbing social trends going on the first one, which I call the Twitterization of everything, which is that we live in a media environment where something has to fit into, if it's on network news, which is, you know, kind of losing influence a little bit, but it has to fit into a one minute soundbite or two minute sound bites. And then even worse, we're, we're in a situation where like, you know, in the US, the presidential election is being fought with a Twitter battle. So you have X number of characters to make a point and very often with complex issues, you need a much longer or a much larger format to actually lay the groundwork to understand what's going on. Because if you think that like you can fit a complex theory or a complex analysis into a Twitter post, like it, it's just not realistic. And so I find that like the podcast medium is really exciting in the, in the sense that you get to have these long form discussions, which allow people to develop ideas in a way that like defines public space in a more constructive way than a social media post, let's say. So yes. what are some of those deeper questions you want to explore specifically in the Mindful Wealth podcast? <laughs> well, we had a lot of back and forth about this. <laughs> um, but like, you know, let's say um, if we're looking at narratives around success, I mean, that's one of the things that I think both of us are interested in. So being financially successful um, means one thing. It means another thing when you situate it within a you know, holistically happy, meaningful existence. That's one thing, like you kind of have financial success and then you have the whole human being or the whole society around it. 
So I think we're both interested in exploring kind of the, you know, the, the, the back and forth between that. Um, and then I think, you know, we're at a, a historical moment where the wealth gap is really widening between rich and poor. And there are a bunch of things that feed into that in terms of, you know, mindset, in terms of privilege, in terms of social structures that widen those gaps. And I think as we talk about how we individually get ahead, we need to be mindful about socially what's going on. Are we doing it in a responsible way? And how can we democratize some of those things that have helped both you and me succeed? Because, you know, let's say we built our own like success or our own mindfully wealthy lifestyle that we've gotten to, but we both did it in a very premeditated way where we, you know, selected things that work here and there and that the more those ideas get out of there get get out the more other people are able to use them in a way that's democratic so i think that you know that's i guess the the, the main focus is yeah so i mean we talk about we we have talked a lot a lot about this topic um but let's get to some very nitty-gritty like how do you define wealth and success <laughs> well <laughs> you really went in one hour <laughs> Okay. As, as quickly and as efficiently as yeah. you can. Okay. Um, so wealth, I think we're, you know, both familiar with this study by uh, Deaton and, and Kahneman who look at, you know, what, what you need for happiness. And they come out with a happiness number, which is somewhere around, you know, 75 to hundred K. And beyond that, they tend to find that your feeling subjective feeling of happiness kind of tapers off. And then we, beyond that, we get into the excess money that allows you either to feel like you're winning at something, because I think there's this tendency in real estate for sure to get into what I call the bank account Olympics, where people are always thinking about bigger and better, but like, ultimately, if you're not doing it for a good reason and you're just trying to have a bigger pile, what's the purpose of that? Right. And like, look, I, I spent a lot of my life chasing after medals in my sport. So I do understand the purpose of ambition. So it's fine. If your goal is to win the bank account Olympics, more power to you. That's good. But you need to be mindful of it and aware that if all you're trying to do is fund a specific lifestyle, financial independence is not the same thing as crazy wealth that you would see, you know, in yachts on Instagram and, and you know, bling bling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's totally so, unnecessary. That wealth is completely unnecessary to happiness. I, I, I love that. I love that. What about- I mean, it's a status symbol. And if, and if it's important for you to win, like, in, like I said, in my athletic career, it was very important for me to win. So I understand that sometimes people feel like they need to win at making money. And like, I don't want to say that's a, a bad motivation, but it comes at the cost of perhaps balance or something else. And that when we make those kind of sacrifices, we need to be mindful of what we're doing with them. And if you want to make the trade-offs, it's fine but at least know that you're doing it. So, so tuck that, you've made the trade-offs, tuck that into the good life. How does it fit into the good life? <laughs> well, I mean, look, the good life, the good life for Terry is one thing, you know, like I've, I've defined a specific equilibrium that works really well for me between my family, between sports, between making money as, you know, really, I feel like I've, I've built a, how can I say, um, just a lifestyle that works really well for me when where I feel very fulfilled and contented in terms of what I'm doing. And I guess through the podcast and through the stuff that I do, that's what I wish for like everybody that comes in contact with the stuff that I do, because yes, of course, financial independence and in the, in the fact that you don't have to worry about money anymore is great. 
because you know it gives you a feeling of security and it gives you a platform for which you can launch all other sorts of things. But definitely in my own experience, I was least happy when I was focused only on income generating and worrying about making a bigger and bigger pile and that the other aspects of my life, my family, and I never really sacrificed my sports that much, but like I definitely fell into the trap at one point of sacrificing personal relationships for you know, ambition. And, and that I've found to not be the key to a good life. So. So it's just, it's very personal. There isn't uh, you know, I think that we will get into this as we, as we go you know, yeah. through the podcast, but there, there are a lot of studies that talk about something yes. that point to the good life. And I think you point to the, the trade-off of your ambition for those relationships that didn't work. And that's that's one of the that's one of the key markers of the successful, happy, good life is the relationships, right? So that, that's just recognition of one of those pillars, one of those yeah. really important topics. Yeah. So, so culturally culturally speaking, I think you referenced this a second ago. Um, wealth's kind of having a bad moment, right? Uh, so <laughs> so what, what's important when we look at wealth creation in the context of a social fabric uh, and looking forward in the future? Yeah. I, I, you know, I was raised with, I think you were raised with it. Some, some of this, um, we wanted to become wealthier, wanted to become financially successful specifically. Um, and that seems to be less uh, a goal today. And I'm just curious about, you know, what do you think about that wealth creation in the context of a social fabric? Yeah, no, I mean, that's again, a very vast topic and I'm gonna do my best to, to, to do it justice in my answer. But I feel like, you know, today there's a lot of, criticism of everything that gets associated with privilege. And so wealth creation tends to be seen as the kind of thing you do either because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, in which case you ended up on third, on third base and thought you, you know, hit a, I don't, I'm not gonna get the expression right, but like, what is it? Grew up on first base and thought you hit a whatever. I have no idea. What you're about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, I'm not the sports metaphor guy. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's a version of, um, of, of really being born with a silver spoon in your mouth and giving yourself credit for being where you are when in fact it was an accident of birth. So I think that's part of the way people conceive of wealth. And the other way that people conceive of it is as this kind of excessive, I would say very like 1980s kind of hip hop video version of excess opulence that goes beyond, you know, we're destroying the planet with what we're doing and we're it's it feeds into overconsumption. Um, so I think when you look at like, wealth ends up looking like something negative in those two frames, but that in fact, if you look at, let's say maybe financial independence or doing something that is going to put you in a situation where first of all, one aspect is, is personal security, but then it's if you eventually build enough wealth that you can do something constructive with it or free up some of your time that you can use it to leave the world a better place than you found it, then I think we start seeing the fact that wealth can be used in a very constructive way. Um, so that's one aspect. And then I think if you also look at the way human beings develop themselves, and that's something that we do across like every aspect of our lives, right? Like if I look at, you know, again, my sports journey, I look at my family life, I look at what happened in my business, and every time I took steps forward to learn something, to get better at in each of those fields, yes, there's an external marker of success that comes along with it in the form of either more money, in the form of medals, in the form of whatever outside recognition there is in the field you're performing in. But like those, how can I say, rewards come as a result of 
incremental things that you did to get better, to become a more efficient human being and to better yourself. And I think creating wealth, if you're on a journey in that, in the same way as anything you seek to perform better at, it's going to make you a better human being in the process. If you do it in, in an ethical way and in a way that doesn't destroy the rest of your life. So. I love this, the, the, the juxtaposition of the external markers. And then you didn't use this word, but I'm going to use the word internal conditions. So in, in, when you bring in the topic of mindfulness, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, the external conditions and the internal conditions and the idea of working with those two things together, um, you know, to push through the challenges to make those incremental changes is critical. Like the, the mind work, the mental work you have to do, yeah. especially if you're a, you, you, you were an elite athlete. So if you, as an elite athlete, your, your challenges aren't physical anymore. I mean, they are, but the challenges are mental. Mm -hmm. like how mm -hmm. do you push past that? Exactly. Exactly. How do you get out of your own way to right. allow the hard physical training that you did? Because if you mentally sabotage yourself, you can take all of that work you did and throw it in the garbage. And I think perhaps maybe more in your world, but also in mine, that if you're investing and you panic and freeze up in, in, in some, and make some stupid decisions in a split second, like you're gonna mess up a lot of years of hard work and savings and all kinds of stuff that you did. So yeah, I think it's, that's a very good comment. Yeah, and uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tug on something you mentioned a little bit earlier, tug on this thread a little bit more, the good life. And you and I went back and forth on this, uh, you know, happiness versus meaning. Yeah. So talk about, talk about what is the target? What's the goal? And then, and then we talked about this and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to feed you the answer, but how do you get to that? You know, is it meaning? Is it happiness? And then yeah. can it really be a target? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of something that I'm working on. So I'm not sure that this is ultimately where, where I'm going to end up with this. And I, I have to admit, I just read, um, uh, Victor Frankel and I'm not going to remember the, what's the, what's the title of the book again? Uh, man's search for meaning man's search for meaning there you go and so i've been kind of thinking about this there's a lot of happiness is a word that gets bandied around a lot in the you know millennial moment that we're all looking for happiness and we had a bit of a discussion around how you define happiness but i find that if if you it's the kind of thing that if you chase after you find that it's very difficult to attain it in, a, in, in that kind of a way. Yet, if you try to do things that are meaningful, you try to live a meaningful life. So set goals that have meaning for you, pursue them in a way that is ethical and that responds to certain, again, markers of meaning of the way in which you do things. For me, of the different theories that are out there, um, I think that really the meaning aspect that is behind things for me has taken precedence. You know, so let's say if I look at, uh, you know, within within my business, like the goals that I set for myself became the why of why I got up every morning and why I did things that were unpleasant. Because basically, as you're trying to grow, you are going to be out of your comfort zone. You're going to be doing things that are uncomfortable, first of all, because they scare you. You're going to do things that are uncomfortable because they're boring and they're routine and maybe they're not like the thing that you would like to be doing in that specific moment. And I think that's true in family life. It's true in business life. It's true in sports. And the thing that carries you through that to a level of success that you had not had before, it kind of has to be meaning. Because otherwise, what allows you to traverse those difficult things, if you're on a, on a look for happiness, well, the thing that make, is going to make me happy right now is maybe not the thing that I need to be doing. 
Um, so, you know, that's why I, I guess the search for meaning, you know, in terms of, of uh, realizing your goals way seems to make sense. And then there's also when I lie in bed at night or when I imagine how I'm going to look back at my life when I'm older, I would hate to think that I'd been doing something trivial and that I'd been spending my time on things that were meaningless. So I think as human beings who are finite and we only have a certain amount of time on this earth to become a, a butterfly and then leave, right? Like if we don't spend that time in something that is meaningful to us in some kind of framework, it's going to be, I feel like I'm going to get to the end of my life and be disappointed with the way things went. So, yeah. Well, you, you have an incredible internal drive. I can, I can just tell. And, and I just, I'm so excited to actually explore this with guests for the next, you know, however long we do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting just, just hearing you answer some of these questions. Um, we, we talked about privilege a second ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, and, and I guess in this, in a moment in, in the U.S. at least, where uh, uh, inequality founded on, you know, the 1519 Project and racism and through, throughout these um, 400 years of this, right? Uh, so, so do we have to disentangle wealth creation from a social context? How do we actually go forward uh, in a fair way mm-hmm. about this place in history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that you cannot, you, you don't have the education, the background to answer all the detailed you know, nuances of this, but I, I just want to hear your, your thoughts. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think it's like, you know, a moment, especially it was already on the table, let's say before COVID, but with COVID, which we've read the studies that the income gap between rich and poor is just widening and widening the longer this goes on. Um, so I think we're sort of required to ask ourselves those questions. And I would like to give sort of a, a two level answer to this uh, kind of a, you know, Newtonian physics on one level and quantum physics on the other which is that if we look at, let's say on a social structural level, we look at what's going on at a societal level, what decisions do we put into policy? I think there needs to be things done to level the playing field. And maybe in the US that is around race. Um, in Canada, we have, you know, our immigration system is a little bit different. Like we, I can't say we don't have, we don't have racism here. I think there's racism present everywhere, but it's definitely not as much of a segmenting thing as it is in the US, but we have entrenched class differences. We have um, our um, indigenous populations who were very poorly treated by people who came in, into Canada later. And then we also have like the kind of tension between the recent immigrants and the local populations because Canada is really an immigration country. So for sure, you know, there are structural things that come up that need to be addressed on a large scale political level. And I think in that context, having, you know, discussions about privilege and uh, structural inequality is really important. But I think we run into a little bit of a trap when as individuals, we still have to get up every morning and decide what we do with ourselves. And this is where I really want to bring back this, I mean, it gets called neoliberal or kind of right-wing ideology of success. And what you as an individual can do to better your lot, to make yourself a better person, and to like pull yourself up from the level that you were in. And, you know, like I come from a fairly privileged background, um, but I really 
would resent someone saying that I didn't run my race very hard, you know, and we don't all start from the same level. That's just a fact. And people who start here need to be aware that other people are not starting from the same place. But that means, does that mean we need to stop running? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that people who start a little bit further back should not run as hard and should not avail themselves of the same success tools that other people have? Absolutely not. And I think maybe the less from a privileged background you come, the more important it is to avail yourself of those tools. Because if you're born in a privileged context, you get educated with that stuff. I received financial education. I had a good business education. I had a good foundation in a lot of things because of the context I grew up in. But for people who didn't grow up with that, you can wait for society to do it for you. You can try to change society so it does it for you. But you also have personal control and you as an individual can take that into your own hands and do something with it. And I think that at, you know when we get lost in these large scale social debates, which risk placing people in a victim position, I think that really disempowers them. And I think when you look at what empowers individuals, it has to be, some of it has to be an individual answer that is take your destiny in your own hands. And there's a methodology for doing that. And if we can do anything to disseminate that methodology more widely, which is I think part of what we want to do with the podcast is that there's some great tools out there and it doesn't matter if you were born on first base or if you were born like in the outfield, you can still use those tools and your life will be better for it. Yep. I love it. I love it. That's uh, one of my biggest fears. And I've spent time in therapy over this. I spent time, you know, educating over this and learning about it. And it is that the more we focus on the societal issues, the less the individual feels the power to, to, to explore themselves. And I, I think it's a both and I think we have yeah. to do both. And I think it's important to always reference that we have to do both. But uh, I, I think that those tools, I wasn't born with, the, with privilege other than being white and male. Those are privileges and I, I recognize that. But, uh, w- you know, we had to build, like we, we didn't have much. And so mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. But I, I'm thinking from your, from elite, be, being an elite, elite athlete, like you know uh, the work you put in. Yeah. Right? You know how hard that is, the mental game, yeah. physical game, everything you had to do. So that, yes. that those trade-offs you've made. I, yeah and in that look in that in that aspect money doesn't help you i mean maybe it will give you time and definitely my real estate business gave me the time to develop myself as an athlete if i had to you know work nine to five in a very classic way i might have not had that time but what i did with that time and the work i put in that was all on me and it was you know combat sports are not a very it's not figure skating it's not a a forgiving kind of a of a, of a context, right? And so you have to work very hard and the setbacks are sometimes literally painful. Um, and whether you come from a privileged background or not, the other girls that I ended up fighting came from all sorts of different things. And what's the money in my bank account really had no effect on the way those fights went. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I, I, I could see you in a minimal fight, but, but, but my bank account's bigger. <laughs> pummeling you right that doesn't work (laughs) but I I think that that's really like it's a really a great thing and you know people like a lot of people in the sports world ask me Terry like you know somebody who comes from your background and who does what you do what do you need to be in the gym for why are you even here and I would say well maybe that's part of the reason why I'm here because I want there to be a zone of my life where the achievements that are in there really are in a context that it has nothing to do with where I grew up it, it has only to do with what I did on my own steam since I put my feet there. 
So. Interesting. Wow, that actually puts a whole framework around around my life as well. Like that's why we <laughs> we seek what we don't have. Like yeah. that's what we seek. Interesting. Wow, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to think about that one personally now. <laughs> I, I got I've got a couple uh, uh, additional things here I want to ask you because um, I think that in order to maintain you know steady path, maintain motivation, in order to maintain forward momentum you have to have something supporting you and something that is uh, influencing you. So, so what are your influences? And I mean this in three different ways. Like what are your influences? What's your favorite novel? Like what are things mm -hmm. you read as a, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all my stuff and set it aside. I'm gonna read something yeah. for fun. What is that? And then something that is current professional influence. Like what are you reading and listening to that's actually supporting your business life? And then current you know, personal influence supporting your human life. Okay, so it's, uh, I, I always get a little bit nervous when people ask me this question because, <laughs> yeah, because really like I, a lot of people had mentors and, and had kind of, you know, things that they aspire to as they were growing up. I really feel like maybe at this point, I have a bit more of that going on in my life, but I feel like for a long time, I, I was really putting myself together without a real visibility of what was ahead of me. And I have to say that, you know, as a woman, I'm 42 now. And when I grew up, there were not a whole lot of female heroes that I could look up to and not a lot of women who had the kind of lifestyle that I wanted for myself. And so that was always a real struggle. And I'm aware now, you know, as I start coaching in sports and, and, and coaching in the real estate field, I'm aware of being ahead of some other women who are behind me who can look and say, yes, it is possible to have a family and an athletic career and a business career and to put all of those things together. Um, so, you know, if, if I can like bring the gender angle in a little bit, I feel like, you know, for a long time, I felt like I was just kind of, I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't feel like I had any, any mentors uh, or any people that I could really look up to and identify with, hmm. you know, but uh, in terms of stuff that really influenced me, like, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of real estate people do. And then that kind of wakes you up to the fact that getting a job, uh, a J-O-B is maybe not the best key to happiness. <laughs> um, and then also like on the more spiritual side, uh, Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist, and Dan Millman, Peaceful Warrior. Um, those two books really influenced, you know, on the one hand, the like sort of like holistic mindfulness aspect that like, your whole lifestyle has to support the goals that you're trying to attain. Maybe this is like more of a, a Dan Millman thing. And then Paulo Coelho, who really gets at that meaning aspect because his whole idea with the personal legend where you need to become the hero of your own story, I really took that to heart at a certain point. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to be the hero of Terry's life, what story do I want to be the hero of? And then I kind of wrote from there and decided, okay, well, these are the different things. If, if I'm going to, you know, at the end of the day, feel like I saved the princess and won, like this is going to be the things that I need to do in my life. And so those are kind of the, the, the ways I oriented myself, I guess, when I was a little bit younger. Um, and then today, uh, I... I mean, I really like Jordan Peterson. I feel like that's a <laughs> dangerous admission, but uh, I feel like in terms of, you know, evaluating this particular moment 
and thinking also ethically about what we're doing. Um, I think it's important, you know, to ask some of those more difficult questions and maybe we're going to end up with answers that we don't necessarily like. Um, so in terms of like my more current influences, maybe that. Um, and I guess you brought it into business, personal. What, can you just remind me of those categories? Yeah, I want to know what you read when just for fun. Like what's a, what's a novel that you've read? <laughs> Wow, good question. I don't read too many novels these uh -huh, days. <laughs> exactly. Me either, but um, I want to know. <laughs> uh, oh, man, and I'm, and I'm not so good with remembering the titles. I read, oh, man, it was um, a book about that, like, told the, the, a Greek mythology story, but from the women's perspective, and I'm not going to remember the title now, um, or the author. I think it's... Uh, like where are the women or where are the girls or something like that. And it's the story of Achilles told from the perspective of his, a slave that he basically took as a concubine. And so it, it tells you the story of like, while the Greek heroes were busy doing their thing, what is the underbelly of how women lived that? So yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know if you could say that that's really relaxing literature, but like when I, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a novel. It's, it's something yes, you read for fun. It's, yeah. it's interesting when I, when I've asked that question of, of very successful people, you don't usually hear, you know, uh, uh, what's a, what's the, like a Diane Steele romance novel. You don't, you don't hear like puff novels. That's not what people, yeah. read. they read hard <laughs> things. They read, you know, their fun reading is complex and difficult, which is, yeah. it's, it's an interesting statement. Um, I actually can't wait for my daughter to listen to you. Um, <laughs> because it's, I think it's, I think you said something really important there. And that's, uh, you know, when you were younger, you didn't have female role models. And I think there's more and more today, but there's still, there's still very few uh, relative, you know, CEOs of companies, there's yes. very few, you know, wealthy women that aren't the daughters of, somebody that created a company yeah. right um it's just there's very few and there's actually fewer people of color and there's fewer so it's th this is this goes right at that inequality that we've talked about yeah really. yeah and i think if i can just sort of uh riff off of that a little bit like you know and this is something that, that peterson talks about and if i i could wish that there was something out there to sort of complement it is that you know men's and women's lives like we don't have the same path especially if we choose to have families, it's a lie to say that men and women live that the same way. And that as a result, as a woman, you need to just find the closest guy who succeeded and think that you're going to walk in his footsteps and it's going to happen for you seamlessly. And I feel like for me who had the role models that I had were men. And I came, you know, at a, a moment when there's this second wave feminist kind of ideology that you need to just you know, buck up and behave like a man and things are going to work out for you. And I think that's co a complete lie. And I think that as women, we get pulled, the more that we be live that way, the more that we risk sacrificing our relationships, our family life, and those priorities, which again, if we're looking at holistic happiness, are super important. And I feel like, you know, having those kind of conversations and having that dialogue around what, like, what is fem what is feminine success? What is female success? And it might not be the same answer. Maybe this is not like a, you know, a, I don't know, how can I say a, a, 
the politically correct answer to that, but definitely, you know, going through the process of having a baby and being pregnant and dealing with a little baby at home and all of the things that like I did it, you know, as a, as a single mom for, for most the first two years of my son's life, but that it's not from a male and female work. It's not the same thing. And it's not going to affect your body the same way, your hormones, your mind, your business, everything that you do around that, it's not the same. And, and I, I wish that there was more like honesty about that out there. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about the single mom a couple of years either. So that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a struggle in and of itself, I'm sure. But yeah, it's, uh, uh, and, and we're not going to resolve it, but I, but I look, I look forward to having the conversations, yeah. you know, for the next yeah. many, many, many times. Uh, uh, because I think, I think that you're, from my experience of you, we've had like four or five conversations total. You're, you're amazing. And, and I look forward to learning from you. And I, and I look forward to sharing that with the people we talk to and our audience as it grows and develops. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you got something out of today's conversation, and I mostly hope you got to know Terry just a little bit better. When you go into work tomorrow, I hope that you're going to question that short explanation of whatever happened. Ask if there's a little bit more nuance to it. I hope you're going to become inquisitive about what the good life is to you and consider how you might be getting in your own way. I know after talking with Terry and then going back and reviewing the episode a second time, I need to do a better job of remembering my own privilege and at the same time, keep doing the daily work to improve. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're going to subscribe and tune into our next episode where we turn the table and Terry asks the questions. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating and leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Jonathan at mindful.money, and you'll find Terry at terryshower.com. Their books, Mindful Money and Mindful Landlord, are available on Amazon. Look to the show notes for our guests' contact info and any links discussed in today's episode.